0: You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast. The UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carla Stevings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds.
1: Well, hello and welcome to episode number 203 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me, as always, in the barn studio this week is my co-host Matt Smith. Matt, and how are you?
2: I'm very well, thank you very much. Yes, yes, all good. It's uh, been a busy old time here in the barn. It certainly has been a busy time.
1: <laughs> We've had uh, quite a lengthy pre-show, it's uh, safe to say. Uh, Before the show, which has been quite entertaining, I think, for everyone who's joined us in the chat room. (laughs) And also joining us uh, this week, as always, is the other awesome part of the PTUK team. It's uh, Sir Neville Bones.
3: Yes, good afternoon, morning or evening, depending on where you are. I hope everybody uh, is well. And uh, It was yes, morning
1: here, it's now afternoon, but anyway. Yes,
3: right, <laughs> yes, we have had a slight delay, but that's okay, that's all right. Um, but uh, no, looking forward to another great show and hope everybody's doing well. Uh, a bit cold uh, over here in Buckinghamshire. I think it's the same way you are, guys, as well. It's a bit chilly. A bit chilly. Yeah, not, chilly. Not really nice yeah, weather, the the light's
2: right. on in the car, that's that's always a good you know, sort of yes, an indication as to it. how cold it is when the, the little light not, on the Not the, the red day. light. Uh, no, no, no! It's only no, the amber okay. one. Just sort of, you know, warning you right. that there might be some mm. issues. Yeah. <laughs> so you've uh, you've had a
1: bit of a busy week this week, haven't you? Never. You've been flying around with uh, with BA.
3: Yes, um, went out on Sunday of last week, uh, which was to the integrated systems europe show uh, 2018 in amsterdam it's our annual show that we go to we've got lots of meetings there lots of stuff lots of dinners and adult beverages as well which was good so i'm feeling a little bit uh, jaded as i flew back yesterday uh, but had a great week but just very tiring on, on the feet from, for most of the week that was all but uh, back to normality this coming week hopefully Sounds good, sounds good. So we have got
1: loads to get through in the show this week. Uh we've got um some great news stories and we've also got a awesome segment uh from Nev for the Nev's passenger experience uh, segment. But uh, we're not going to divulge who it's with this week, but it's safe to say well, uh, she's a bit of a miss world, I think. Uh, we'll say Nev.
3: Oh well, yeah, I mean you know we've already done the the, the Mel C uh, interview over uh, Christmas, and that's uh, set set the bar quite high, quite we high, think. Yes. But uh, mm. th- this time, I think we've uh, even exceeded that. I would say. <laughs> so we've got uh, a bit of
1: housework to do at the top of the show, and uh, mm. it's something we do uh, at the beginning of the month normally uh, to uh, to thank all our very very
3: generous people who donate to the show each week. So Nev, I'll hand it over to you. Yes, thank you very much to everybody for your fantastic donations. And they are Adrian Meacham, Nick Anderson, Captain Jeff, Stephanie Plummer, Stuart Black, Liz Piper, Jonathan Warner, Evan Shue, Adam Spink, Matt Donnemeyer, Jeff Ward, Ben Todd, York Moller, Philip Laib, Andrew Wilson, Graham Haley, Matt Caton, David Humphreys, Eric Graves, Jordan Rose, steve andress matt bunting frame myler ryan harper Stuart backer and ray williams many thanks to all of you for your superb donations
1: yeah and don't forget if you want to donate to the show if you've got a spare few pence lying behind the sofa uh we really really do appreciate all the donations to the show they help to run the show and help to uh to, to give more technical uh, stuff uh, for Matt to play around with during the show. Uh, if you want to uh, donate to the show, you can do that via the website, uh, plaintalkinguk.com. There's a link on there, Patrons, you can click on there. Or you can also donate via the uh, the original way, which is by PayPal, through the link on the website as well, and donate a few pence to the show, which always helps to... Uh, well, to, to push things along nicely. But uh, no, thanks for everyone uh, for donating to the show. We really do appreciate it. And uh, we've got lots of things planned for this year uh, with various air shows and uh, some meetups as well. We've got planned as well for later on in the summertime, which we've got uh, you know, we're in the can ready or in the bag ready to go. So, uh, yep, thanks, everyone, for that. So we are going to say as well a big uh, hello to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room today. Loads of people in there. We've got uh, Liz Piper, Dr. Steph Shorty, Crosgroves in there. Liz Piper, uh, Captain Nick is in the chat room. We've got Andreas Norden in the chat room as well, uh, who supplied us with these rather fancy badges here. Yeah. Uh, we've got Falco. Uh, we've got uh, Philip Davis. Uh, let me just grab the list here in case I miss anyone. Uh, Andrew Wilson, uh, Jen Niffer, um, Flipsy is also in the chat room. Uh, name i haven't seen before first officer mike andrew wilson i don't think i missed anyone else if i have honestly sorry but uh thanks for everyone for joining us in the live chat room tonight i think we we can stop the uh, patreon music now which is it's, it's playing up it's
2: i think good. it's to fair to say <laughs> <laughs> it's going really well there yeah. we go we'll oh, do that
1: yeah. there we go that's stopped stop now so uh, we are going to start the show, as we do each week then, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt.
3: Always born ready. Yeah. And if you're ready, Nev. I'm about the only person that is, I think. But okay. How yes, I'm rude. Ready.
1: <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> So, kicking off this week's first news story, this one's on the independent.co.uk website. The headline is, airline blames passengers after door falls off plane during landing. Something you... Not really want to As happen you when do. you're yeah. on an aircraft. <laughs> so uh, the story then is, uh, this one is a Nigerian airline has blamed passengers. Do you know, I thought you said Nigel there. No, no, I not Nigel. Saying. A Nigerian airline has blamed passengers after a plane door fell off shortly after landing. The Dana, or Dana Air, however you want to pronounce that, flight from Lagos. We, uh, we was,
2: probably should get definition of, of, Dana. of, of Dana. I feel Dana a bit bad air. like I'm naming an APG host every time <laughs> we discuss
1: it. So, uh, the, Dana or Dana Air flight from Lagos, which is one of Captain Nick's favourite destinations, is it? <laughs> uh, was taxiing on the runway at Abdur Airport when the emergency exit door fell off. Passengers <coughs> told of hearing rattling throughout the flight and described what's, uh, what's happening as scary. The airline insisted there was no way the door could have fallen off without a passenger making a conscious effort to open it. But passengers uh, said everything on board. Uh, was okay and that, uh, well, the passenger must have, well, had something to do with the door itself. Uh, Dapo Sanwo from Lagos told the BBC the flight was noisy with vibrations from the door and he noticed the emergency door latch was loose and dangling. When they landed, the plane was taxiing uh, back to the parking area and we heard a poof like explosion, followed by a surge (laughs) of breeze. You don't get away with that. How did it go again? Poof. (laughs) Right, okay. Okay. (laughs) And uh, he added the cabin crew tried to say that passengers had pulled the hatch while everyone denied this. They also tried to get us to stop taking videos or pictures. Another passenger, Ola Brown, a doctor from Lagos, said the door was unstable throughout the flight, she said. As we touched down, it fell off, she said, and it was scary stuff. In a statement, Dana Air, Dana Air, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) categorically uh, said that this could never have happened without an effort or conscious effort by a passenger to open the door. When the aircraft is airborne, it's fully pressurized, and there was no way the seat or door could have been shaking as insinuated. The airline said its engineers and the Nigerian Civil Aviation Authority inspected the plane upon landing and found there was no issue and no threat to safety at any point. It added the aircraft later made the return flight to Lagos. Are they, they, looking, Air, are they looking at a different picture to the one <laughs> I'm seeing? Dana Air's license was suspended in 2012 and again in 2013 after two deadly crashes. It resumed flying again in January 2014. So Matt, you pro- you popped the pictures up there on the screen. Now this is the overwing exit seat, which um, I think most of us have sat near to at one point in time, and it's generally a case of two handles, one at the one at the top, one at the bottom of the door, and you pull them down towards the uh, the window as such, and uh, the the window can pop out. Mm. But um, I, I doubt whether the person sitting in that seat really wanted the window to fall or the door to fall I out I mean there's, there's, the there's
2: many issues that I have with this story and uh, one of which is uh, I mean I, I I get that you can't always re- necessarily rely if you like on on uh, individuals and uh, you know the members of the public because let's be honest they they, they are rather br- Ooh, hello, having you, issues I'm having a microphone <laughs> issue don't mind me um, you know there are issues with, with um, people perhaps not telling the truth but I mean th- th- that photograph don't look great does it? With now the, if you
1: remember a few weeks back Matt, we had that story with the Ryan Air flight where the uh, the guy couldn't wait to get back to the gate, so he popped the. He was headset. quite keen. yes Yeah, he yep. he took the door out and got out on the wing and um, yeah, and, yeah, and had a wander. Had a wander. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is obviously a mad dog. I think this particular aircraft in question uh, is one of uh, one of Captain Jeff's favourite aircraft, a Mad Dogs. Right. But uh,
3: yeah, what do you think, Nev? Interesting, isn't it that the um, the slogan below the on, on the fuselage on the outside says Dana Air: the smartest way to fly. Well. <laughs> clearly not is it just is it just my my
2: (laughs) issue do you think i mean because that looks that picture i'm going to pop it back up because it actually looks like it's been um fiddled with can you see what uh, i mean uh, the writing has been fiddled with oh sorry that's me just
1: turning the volume up is it right okay what what do you mean in what way does it look like it looks
2: like it, it looks like the writing is not part of the original photograph
1: no 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 that is that is yeah that is their livery no, yeah. I, yeah. don't panic. Oh, okay. All no, right. that That's is a, But I see what you mean. Yeah, it does look as if it's been superimposed yeah, onto indeed. the. Um... You know,
2: kind of like we, like, like <laughs> Captain Al did to your TriStar <laughs> yeah. van. He put Airbus written all over it. Yeah, had that same sort of. Actually,
1: feel I think to Nev it. had one done of him uh, oh, in, the, in the last few weeks. And never was someone had put uh, Nev. Somebody been think, interfering uh, with the banana uh, with Air Force, oh, Force yes, One. Air Force
3: There's been all sorts of stuff going on, um, only, only some of which I can talk about. Uh, oh. But um, yes, I've had all sorts of. things Put on my what my. Would have been my aircraft, as it were. But, uh, right. OK. No, uh, quick, um, moving on. I think on. this is uh, one of those stories which. Um... There we go. How's that? Ah, there's Pop just some. Uh, there's probably sort of some exaggeration going on here as well, and uh, again a bit of sensationalism uh, with the story. somehow. Mm-hmm. Are, are you mm-hmm. suggesting
2: I that the that the that uh, the Independent may not necessarily be reporting 100% accurate,
3: pu- you know, public information here? I, I'm not okay. saying that. I'm just saying I don't <laughs> normally go to that uh, media outlet for my <laughs> media for, media for my aviation. <laughs> Nevzorov,
1: a star or a sun man.
3: Oh right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes, which, who
2: are
1: obviously very famous
2: for. Oh yeah. um, Yes. Of course. Anyway. anyway, moving on to the next story, okay, Matt,
1: yeah. this one, uh, special one for you as always, but it's a good news story if you're a passenger.
2: Right, yes, OK, so this is on the Bristol Post and the headline is, Ryanair to make a big change to flight compensation rules. Mm. Uh, changes are being oh dear i do hate pop ups why is it about adverts mm. changes are being made to Ryanair's compensation time frame which will benefit many passengers the low co- air cost airline plans to cap its compensation time frame for delays and cancellations to just 10 days this means from the 1st of april its claims team will be able to make to pay any valid claims under the eu 261 flight delay in just under 2 weeks instead of the current 28 days maximum. It comes just four months after boss boss Michael O'Leary was forced to cancel 20,000 flights due to botched pilot rotors in a move that disrupted thousands of passengers' plans and led to it being ranked the worst budget airline as reported in the Mirror. Oh, well, that must be true then if the Mirror reported it. What's changing? Well, Ryanair announced its intention to speed up compensation payments as part of its always getting better plan. Under EU Rule 261-2004, if you're delayed by more Than three hours or your flights cancelled, you could be entitled to between 110 and 530 pounds in money back. Although this has been set in euros, Uh, if you travel, yes, in other words, it's going to go down. (laughs) is the way things are going (laughs) at the moment. Uh, If you travel with Ryanair and experience a delay from the 1st of April, they'll clear it up within 10 days. The airline, which uh, reformed its cabin policy uh, earlier this month has also promised 90% of its flights in the next year will be on time and that its flights will be plastic-free
1: within five years. What does that mean? Plastic they're going to reduce free. the amount of plastic used on board the aircraft a lot of oh, okay. everyone's oh, doing oh, very yeah. cool
2: uh, sorry I thought it was like you know you ha- you only had to pay in cash or something <laughs> that's <laughs> just that. anyway uh, Ryanair's Chief Marketing Officer oh we do love a statement from Kenny Jacobs mm. said we are promising today that we will pay and valid uh, we will pay any valid claim within 10 days of receiving said claim at Ryanair we have learnt a lot about the customer service uh, in the past 6 months <laughs> right ok <laughs> only in the last 6 months interesting and And the two key things that we want to reassure customers is that if you have a valid claim and it's very black and white in terms of what's valid and what's not, we will pay that claim within 10 days. We're also introducing new digital initiatives for customer service. So if you want to rebook a flight or you want to take a refund, it will be something that you can simply do on the Ryanair app. And we're also going to make the claims forms and claims process much more simplified on the Ryanair website. So um, the amount of monetary compensation you can claim depends on whether your flight was delayed or cancelled, how long it was delayed for and how far you were flying. Under EU flight delay legislation, passengers who have their flight cancelled are entitled to either. A a full refund or B an alternative flight. The legislation also includes reasonable expenses, direct costs incurred from the delay of a flight such as the cost of staying at an airport hotel or any meals eaten while you're waiting for said alternative flight. Um, some of the rules that they've set is that passengers, sh- number one, is that passengers should be offered a refund or a replacement flight within seven days. Uh, this may be on a different airline, airport, and all extra costs should be covered by that airline. It must inform you of all next alternatives available. Uh, if your flight is delayed, this is number two, by more than two hours, you're entitled to food and drink. That's interesting, I didn't know that. Mm, yeah. Uh, number three, a three-hour, f- uh, three-hour or more delays qualify for compensation under EU law. Uh, so, yeah. So, if the airline doesn't have a suitable alternative flight, you must be booked on a rival airline in line with civil aviation authority rules. E-Rule state that uh, in the interim, passengers must be offered free of charge A. Meals and refreshments in a reasonable relation to the waiting time and B. Hotel accommodation in cases where a stay of one or more nights becomes necessary. Be aware that if you decide to cancel your flight before hearing from Ryanair, you may jeopardise both your rights for compensation and a replacement flight.
1: It's uh, the compensation thresholds that sets here... For um, obviously the the hour, the three hour delays, mm. but then it obviously three yeah, hour plus, it, yeah. yeah, the amount of uh, money you'll get back also depends on the length of the flight in kilometres. Right. So obviously, if you're going if you're going from here to say Lanzarote or Tenerife mm. with Ryanair, where they do fly, you obviously be entitled to to more money than if you're going from say here to mm. Edinburgh. Um, So, I mean, really, I
2: mean, uh, um, this may uh, also I'm going to speak to our BA spokesman here now, of course, uh, but but, uh, I mean, presumably this is a, a, you know, something similar that's already in place as far as. BA are concerned, how quickly, I mean, are they doing it in sort of 10 days, or, or are you having to wait the full calendar month before?
3: I think it depends, and actually I've just noticed that Jenny in the chat room just said that her BA flight was delayed by 6 hours in January mm. due to weather, but no compensation, but they, she did get a free lunch, and I think BA have got a bit more flexibility when it comes to these sorts of things, but right. um, it's good to see though that uh, Ryanair is sort of stepping up to the mark, isn't it? Because I think this mm. was long overdue, and I think they're trying to be nicer to their customers now, so there's mm. a, yeah, true. a a better chance now of, uh, of getting yeah, compensation but true. there is a, a standard thing i think it's eu 261 isn't it something like that, that, something uh, like that yeah. there, there is a minimum standard for mm-hmm. uh, for delays and, and compensation and food and water and, and that kind of thing right. so uh, yeah we will see yeah. Yeah. seems
1: like they're making some changes ryanair you know we've covered the story mm-hmm. last week with yeah. the the, you know, the obviously recognizing the balpa the union. For yeah, you say that though, but there was there no. was a
2: there was a contrary story that was released um, a sort of like a few days afterwards, where there was now sort of disputes occurring left, right, and centre, and possible mm. strikes, and goodness knows what else. Literally, um, you know, where he was whilst he was recognising pilot unions, he still wasn't doing anything about it. Mm. So um, I, I don't know. I think. Yeah, that's... well, I watch think this space. A, yeah, well indeed, indeed. Watch P- watch PT UK for, know, further, for further details. Further details. Yeah. Mm, so indeed. moving
1: on to the next story then, and uh, unfortunately this week I couldn't. Find a a, a, nice BA a decent story. BA story for oh, Nev. Dear. So Nev, I've uh, I've given you a, a different uh, airline carrier <gasps> this time.
3: Don't worry, I, I don't mind. Um, but it's all about EasyJet. It's on the aviationweek.com. And, uh, of course, uh, they are one of the world's largest low-cost airlines and one of the biggest customers of Airbus. Uh, they recently held a Meet the Neo event at Manchester Airport. The airline already operates over 280 A319 and A320 aircraft over its three European operations, which is the UK, Austria and Switzerland. And in July 2017, it took delivery of the first 100 180, three A3, uh, sorry a320 neos that it had on order there's nice pictures of it too and uh, these planes are all planned to be in service by 2022 and the neo which stands for new engine option doesn't look too different from the outside to the a320 Co current engine option, except for the larger CFM Leap 1A engines, and in EasyJet's case, the large NEO letters on the rear fuselage. And to be honest, it doesn't look too dissimilar on the inside either. But then, this isn't an aircraft development meant to be a game changer for the passenger, but rather for the airlines that operate them. With a 15% saving on fuel, typically an airliner's single biggest expense, and a corresponding reduction of 15% in carbon emissions, coupled with a huge noise reduction, of around 50% on takeoff and landing, the A320neo family is all about cost saving and environmental impact. Numerous weight saving initiatives include electronic flight bags in the cockpit instead of uh, wads of paper and lightweight Recaro seats. The slim seats allow for an extra row of six seats in the same cabin as older uh, Airbus A320s, whilst not diminishing the legroom. Uh, EasyJet uh, is uh, operates uh, to over 140 airports in 31 countries across Europe the Middle East and North Africa on 880 routes from 28 bases 800 uh, sorry 80 million passengers fly on the unmissable orange jets uh, each year including 3.5 million from Manchester where 12 aircraft are based and EasyJet is the largest airline at Manchester which is the UK's third busiest airport flying to 53 airports in 22 countries well I, there's two things about this jet that always fascinate me. The size of these engines mm. and how low the engine pod is to the ground when the aircraft's on the deck. So I'm sure they've worked it all out, but I'm just wondering what that would be like in, in challenging landing conditions <laughs> uh, with the thing rocking from side to side of yeah. it on, on not, the final. Not, not a lot of um, margin for also, error, essentially. Uh, yeah. Being a, a slightly larger chap, have you seen the size of these seats yeah. um, <laughs> and, and the width? Uh, that's going to be extremely challenging for uh, people of my sort of size, I would imagine. You wait till um, I get on one, Nev. Well, I'm not going to go there. Sorry to yeah. say that. You're so. all right.
2: I, I have two friends next to me who will quite happily go there. As far as <laughs> I was actually going to say
1: the same thing as you, Nev. Looking at the, there's a picture on there of the guy with a with a camera, obviously one of the um, mm, journalists Christ, on this flight. Yeah. And when you look at this, the actual thickness of the backs of the seat backs of these chairs and the the, yeah. and the new
3: seats, and that they are incredibly thin. And also very, some very of thin. those uh, aircraft, of course, are going to be used on the, the longer routes, too. So certainly things like um, Manchester to the Canary Islands, that sort of thing. So that's a good four-and-a-half-hour flight in, mm. in, in those conditions. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what people are like at the end of it. But it just looks a little bit too cramped. And I think certainly when you need back support and, and that kind of thing, they just look a bit thin uh, yeah. for my liking. Yeah, I think there'll be a few numb bums. When yeah, they arrive I mean, at
1: their destinations, maybe yeah, it's, you know
2: really fancy new foam, and therefore you don't. Well, sort of, no. perhaps mm. perhaps technology is changing all the time. All, all jokes aside, I mean, you know, they they can perhaps with the same amount of padding that yeah. you know they can get more comfort. Who knows? <laughs>
1: perhaps <laughs> if uh, if anyone who's listening to the show has flown on the new A three nine or three hundred and twenty neo with their easyJet, give us a, a review on the seat mm. comfort. That'd probably be nice actually to hear from. Uh, from yeah. that but uh, moving on to the next story this one is on the forbes.com website Ew. oh hello <laughs> and uh, the headline Singapore Airlines announces world's first Boeing 787-10 route so Singapore Airlines is the delivery customer of Boeing's next generation 787-10 Dreamliner the airline will receive the first of the new planes out of a total of an order of 49 on them and the uh, the aircraft manufacturer are going to be delivering delivering these in March this year. Singapore has now announced that the plane's first scheduled destination will be Osaka, beginning May the 3rd, 2018. The route from Singapore to Osaka is just over 3000 miles and clocks in at 6 hours and 15 minutes, giving the travelers plenty of time to test out the jet's bells and whistles. Uh, Prior to the launch of the route to Osaka, the airline will fly the 787-10 on select flights to Bangkok and Singapore in order to familiarize crew with its operation. The 787-10 is the largest of Boeing's Dreamliner family which will also include the 787-8-9 and it's uh, 68 metres long which uh, is 5 metres longer than the 787-9 and 11 metres longer than the 787-8 It has a wingspan of 60 metres and cruises uh, up to a speed of up to uh, 647 miles an hour and has a range of 6430 nautical miles Perhaps more interesting for flyers is the fact that Singapore's configuration of the jet will have uh, 337 seats uh, total on board including 301 economy seats and 36 of the airline's new regional business class seats called the Stellia hmm Stellia Opal an interesting name for a mm, business okay. class seat. I uh, do you uh, remember opal uh, fruits? Oh, yeah. Made to make your mouth water. <laughs> these seats do, actually, looking at these. The uh, introduction of the new regional cabin products on the 787-10 is part of the commitment uh, of Singapore to continuously uh, innovate and the, uh, become a leader to enhance premium travel experiences for the customers, said Singapore Airlines Vice President of Marketing and Planning Tan Kai Ping. The Stellia Opal seen uh, in a you know, seen on the pictures Matt's put on the screen actually, and uh, is laid out in a one-two-one configuration where uh, each seat has direct aisle access and reclines to a horizontal lie-flat seat. A welcome update of Singapore's current recliner and angled lie-flat business class seats. The airline has not released which other specific destinations it intends to serve with the Dash 10s, however uh, given the details so far it seems likely the plane will be used on other airlines regional routes within Asia and also Singapore are going to use their A350-900s configured with the international seats on ultra long haul routes like those from Singapore to San Francisco which launched in October and also the Los Angeles to New York routes uh, which the airline indicated will begin flying later in 2018. I must say those seats do look incredible. Incredibly comfortable those mm. um, the nooses. Yeah. They do look a bit strange. They do look like they they take up quite a lot of room as well, yeah. especially the uh, unit with the um, the TV and stuff on. But you sort of um, think
2: that there must be a, a, a more space efficient way of doing the of same thing. Having, yeah. yeah, obviously the with pod's
1: got to be that size for the reclining bed, mm. but uh, it seems like mind you, I think there's a, a space to put your feet and everything under there, and right. um, yeah, okay. it looks quite nice. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever be able to afford that somehow. Mate. Really. What gave that away? Indeed. Who knows? So, next story, moving on. uh, uh, at another Ryanair one for you, man. Mm. Kelsey Breeze. So, this is on the
2: ajot.com website. And the headline is, Ryanair seeks pilots in South Africa to fly expanding fleet. Uh, Ryanair Holdings PLC is starting a recruitment drive for pilots in South Africa as the budget airline seeks uh, seeks crew to helm its expanding fleet of jets. The Irish carrier will host roadshows in Johannesburg In Cape Town later this month and is looking to hire captains for Boeing 737s, according to an advertisement on its website. Successful candidates will relocate to to Europe and help staff a a fleet that's expected to increase to 580 planes from around about 425 over the next six years. Airline Pilots Association South Africa is well aware of the hiring effort and will hold off on commenting until Ryanair discloses the terms and conditions of any job offer Uh, William Rukin smith who's the president of the Johannesburg-based Labour Group, said by text message, despite recent Labour issues, Ryanair is expanding to fill a gap left by failed airlines in Europe, so they would need to recruit in any event, he said. Uh, The search for pilots in far-flung countries such as... Uh, South Africa uh, comes as Dublin-based Ryanair battles with unions in Europe over pay and conditions. While the carrier has reached a deal in the UK, Chief Executive Officer Michael O'Leary warned this week that he's prepared to cope with pilot walkouts rather than compromise the company's low-cost model. Uh, South African Airways, uh, the country's unprofitable state-owned carrier, is cutting routes as new CEO, not even going to try and say that one out loud, (laughs) seeks to reduce costs. While the majority (laughs) of its fleet is made up of Airbus SE models, it also includes some Boeing 737s. A spokesman for SAA didn't comment uh, to phone calls seeking said mentions.
1: So it seems that we've, uh, we've obviously, there's a, a pilot shortage, yes. as we know through stories we've covered in the past. Indeed. But uh, definitely expanding things to go that far to uh, to find some pilots and mm. all know. the way it's to all South Africa. thinking
2: maybe they should just sort of look after the, the what, you know, look after what you've got already before you start making things but bigger. But anyway,
1: remember, you know Stuart, our good friend Stuart uh, yeah, O'Neill, I yes, yeah, yes, yes. who flies the caravan, or well, used to fly yes. the Cessna caravan, who now flies yes. for a regional carrier here yes. in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart actually got his license in South Africa. He did, yeah. Yeah, and um, I remember saying to him not so long ago, actually, in regards to, to doing that out in South Africa, and he says it's still incredibly cheap to gain your pilot's license in South Africa. Really? Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. So uh, perhaps it's a good place to look, I suppose, for uh, for fledgling pilots. What do you think,
3: do you think Nev? It, I think. The industry always goes through this phase, doesn't it? One minute there's a pilot shortage, the next minute there's too many, and there's people being laid off. Um, but there's a gen—I think the general consensus of opinion there is a pilot shortage at the moment. So, uh, and of course, it's very expensive to um to, to get trained, isn't it? Mm, long gone yeah, are the days yeah. of uh, sponsorship from uh, the, the big air the big airlines. You know, you've now got to take on the equivalent of a of a mortgage, effectively, uh, to pay for your own uh, True. stuff. Well, um, and there's and, no there's uh, no org- guarantee. Or go to the bank of mum and dad. Yeah, well,
2: yeah. And, and I'd say, I, I, I know a it's kind of sad, really, um I won't name, name him because uh, I don't think he'd want me to, but uh, he's always wanted to be a pilot, like since, you know, he, the classic thing, he had pictures up on his bedroom wall and all that kind of thing. And he tried absolutely everything to... I mean, he got a, he's got a commercial licence, or at least he did have, I should say. Um, and right at the nth hour, he was finally offered a job by EasyJet. I, I'll mention them. And then right at the nth hour, they pulled out and uh, everything lapsed, so the dream literally because he literally can 't afford any more money to to keep it going and sort of think you know various um, qualifications that you 've got obviously start to lapse and, and he can 't afford to to carry on so like literally the the dream is over, uh, which is so sad when you think they 're so desperate for pilots mm. out there mm, that but yeah. um, he can 't get you know he's sort of hinged everything on finally getting this this one airline you know interested in him, and when it all Came to an end. We well, don't mean, forget we had that an up and coming pilot
1: at the two hundredth, didn't we, with uh, David, yes. Mr. Corston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's busy trying, you know, mm. trying to get through the uh, the various the process processes. Yeah, you know. yeah. indeed,
2: yeah. it's 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 bizarre. You, you do think though that if that you know where they are so desperate for um, for pilots that there would be some help available. Do you know what I mean? To mm. so actually, you know, if there is this this pilot shortage that everybody keeps going on about, surely you know a bit of sim time or whatever to help keep qualifications as I, I, I don't know why they're not sort of willing to dip in their own pockets if you like to 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 help out getting people in the air if there's that desperate for pilots apparently
1: liz Thank piper you. in the chat room just said sorry nev um that air france announced a cadet program did they that's this week yeah, yeah.
3: Mm. sorry nev you were going to say I was just thinking that um, because of the risk of failure as well uh, of, of mm. people not getting through the, the, the training schemes, I think that's why, I mean, apart from the fact that the airlines probably can't afford to do it anyway, but the um, the problem that they've got is, is the, the, the huge cost of training. I mean, this stuff mm. is, is not uh, no. without uh, massive cost and um, they just can't afford to take the risk. I, I would have thought, yeah. and, and that's why all the, all the um, uh, it's very, very onerous as a, a cadet pilot to uh, do it, but that's the only way to do it. Obviously, mm. you know, if you're successful and and you earn good money at the end of it, then you know you eventually get to pay it back. That's but fine. it's a, yeah. it's a huge uh, loan to begin with, isn't it? Do you think,
1: Nev, if you had a couple of hundred thousand pound lying around a sofa somewhere at home, you'd <laughs> that be you'd like to have a you know go through to do your training and stuff? And I think it's no? a bit more than that. <laughs> No, it's about 100,000, is it? Mm,
3: well, I the, my problem is again would would be the the concern about failure. So you've paid all that money and mm. uh, for for whatever reason, you know, I, I haven't got through the course or I've been thrown out of the course or I've I've not done uh, well enough to, to become to get the next stage. I mean there's no going back, you know, you have spent the money and, and mm. that is it. And yeah. um, so but I'm sure there there will be people that that has happened to. And, of course uh, it, it, it's it's a very worrying uh, uh, thing, isn't it? The problem
2: from our point of view as well is now we're kind of at that age now, <laughs> where I don't know whether we'd see a return on our investment before not the, for end, us. Just, for us, you for know, us. it really is a, <laughs> you need people. to be. <laughs> (laughs) indeed (laughs) Uh, you know it's a genuine issue is like you know i mean you could do it by all means because that's the dream but whether you'd ever actually get get your money back if you like on Mm. on something like something it's all about winning the lottery
1: is it yes anyway moving swiftly on (laughs) the next story
3: uh nev yeah it's on the bizjournals.com and it's about uh Boeing's decisions on mid-sized 797 aircraft and uh, Boeing is studying three different engine designs for a new mid-sized passenger airplane dubbed the 797 delegates at the Singapore air show heard this week. Uh, The leading contender is GE Aviation through its CFM international joint venture which said Boeing will have to make a decision in 2018 for the potential aircraft to be ready Went to service in 2025 time is running out shaka shakur uh, ge aviation's vice president and general manager of global sales and marketing said at the singapore air show aviation leadership summit according to aviation industry news publication flight global and flight global reports that proposals from three major engine makers for the new aircraft all differ in technologies. One source of frustration for engine makers is that Boeing has yet to publicly reveal whether it will only have one engine supplier for the aircraft. Boeing took that approach with its 737 MAX jets which are powered by the GE CFM Leap 1B engines, whereas buyers of the 787 Dreamliner may choose either engines made by GE or British engine maker Rolls-Royce and GE the world's biggest jet engine maker vowed at the 2017 Paris air show that it won't enter a three-way turbine production contest for Boeing's mid-sized plane because of a fragmented market would not justify its investment, Bloomberg reported. Uh, should Boeing opt for more than two engine suppliers, we're out, said David Joyce, head of GE Aviation. And in Singapore, GE's Shakur parsed those remarks, saying GE's CFM's decision to join the program will depend both on Boeing's forecast market size for a 797 combined with the number of engine suppliers involved. Developing a new engine could cost between 2.5 and $3 billion, he said so far boeing has indicated that it's in, that it's talked with 50 potential customers about the new mid-size aeroplane the aircraft will be bigger than its max 737 family of single aisle jets but smaller than its largest streamliner, the 787-10. And Boeing's senior vice president, Dinesh Kaskar, talked up interest in the 797 jet at the Singapore air show, citing potential customers in Australia and India. And Keskar said uh, Qantas CEO Alan Joyce is already bullish on the jet's prospects. The Australian business traveller reported. Qantas reportedly likes a larger 797, capable of transporting a hundred more passengers on its busy but constrained route, like between Sydney and Melbourne, uh, where which the world's second biggest, which is the world's second biggest air corridor. So, this is always the thing, isn't it? At these air shows, there's lots of big, th- big things talked about, lots of stuff, but uh, not everything makes it into production. Mm, and that's yeah. due to customer demand, cost of engineering, cost of parts currency fluctuations all sorts of things so uh, and of course th- these are massive decisions aren't they about uh, uh, who's, who's building the engines and and whether the air- aircraft's viable so yeah. uh, we'll have to see probably we'll have to wait till farm Brit air show before another there's definitely a space i think for the 797
1: it has to be a lot of people have said this has to be a completely different rethink you know go back to the drawing board for this aircraft but also there is a space for it because you know we've had we've gone through the numbers we had seven one seven two seven three seven four seven five six. so it is a natural you know we have to have a seven nine seven really to complete the right, uh, the, 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 uh, the full circle yeah
2: okay so i've just seen what the, what the next story is and i'm looking at this with slight nervous <laughs> and trepidation for for what may or may not be about to occur so good luck everyone
1: so the <laughs> next story on the cbsnews.com mm-hmm. And, there is um, a video, do I dare play it? The, that's the oh, question. Yeah. The headline... Uh, are you ready, everyone? No. And the headline...
0: We've <laughs> already been rated 18
4: on YouTube. <laughs> well, That's true, yeah, yeah. The headline yeah, is,
1: Naked Passenger Prompts Alaska Airlines Flight to Return to Anchorage. So an Alaska Airlines flight to Seattle was forced to return to Anchorage early on Wednesday after a passenger locked himself in the bathroom, took all his clothes off and refused to follow the crew's instructions, airport police said. Uh, CBS Anchorage affiliate KTVA-TV reports the aircraft returned to Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport while flying near Prince William Sound. Kate Danluk, a passenger on the flight, told the Associated Press she knew something was wrong because the flight attendants kept going backwards and forwards in the aisle and had to put on rubber gloves.
4: (laughs) Alaska
1: Airlines flight one four six from Anchorage to Seattle returned to Anchorage due to a passenger not following the flight attendant 's instructions. While no emergency was declared, the decision was made to return to Anchorage. Alaska Airlines spokesman Tim Timpson said or Thompson said in an email, airport police and FBI met the aircraft when it landed shortly before 3 a.m. The police came on board, took him out of the back door, said Dan Look, an Anchorage teacher who was taking a green escape to attend a garden show in Seattle. We Well, obviously we needed to know that bit of information. KTVA posted the video, uh, which Matt just played a little bit of there, And uh, it wasn't immediately clear if the man was arrested. The FBI did not return repeated messages to the Associated Press on Wednesday, said. Uh, A spokeswoman for Alaska Airlines attorney said no charges had been filed against the suspect. Um, there was a subject on the aircraft that had barricaded or locked himself in the bathroom or lavatory. A uh, police uh, report said her office declined to make her available to speak to uh, AP Online or the, on the direction of the airport manager, who didn't uh, return a message either. Well, they didn't really want to talk about this story, did they, really? Let's be honest here. Well, no. Uh, there are 178 <laughs> passengers on board the flight and uh, after the uh, incident uh, re the flight and then took off back to Seattle with just a short delay. Wednesday's incident comes amid an upcoming guilty plea by Alaska Airlines pilot who was accused of flying drunk and about a month after a man prompted a United Airlines flight diversion to Anchorage because he was smearing faeces everywhere including a couple of bathrooms. Interesting there. (laughs) Anyway, so it's safe to say there that uh, there are interesting things that go on 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 board aircraft. You and I differ um, greatly on what is considered interesting. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm getting naked. I mean, you can barely move in an aircraft toilet. To be fair, I mean, yeah. getting naked. I, I is would.
2: I would certainly struggle to to do exactly <laughs> that. To actually take my clothes off in an air in yeah. an airport toilet. In an There's airport an toilet, Airplane, toilet. Toilet. Yeah. toilet. Sorry, yeah.
1: Nev. I'm guessing you've uh, you've not had a chance you, to. Um, <laughs> Try this on board a BA flight. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: and um, I, well, let's face it. There's not much room. You certainly couldn't swing a cat in there. Anyway, but uh, um, but actually, funnily enough, uh, we might be hearing something later on in the passenger experience segment <gasps> oh! about, about some some other options in this area, shall uh, we say? Uh, um, so uh, Miss World st- at 2018. Is this is a mile high segment. High segment. <laughs> <laughs> stay, stay tuned. <laughs> oh, oh, oh dear!
1: Oh, but hard uh, uh, here. Uh,
2: <laughs> Getting a bit nervous again, all of a sudden. Uh, anyway, like, moving—it's like, it's like having Captain Ann on the show. I'm very nervous. Let's have a quick
1: look at <laughs> the chat room just to make sure no one's, uh, no one's. Oh, here we go. Are we set? To, uh, Everyone um, behaving
2: themselves, are they?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shorty Crossgrove has put: uh, It's too cold in Alaska to be good to be doing that kind of stuff. Good point. Very yes, true. A very good point. And yes. Richard King has quite rightly said: Think of the fuel savings if everyone's stripped off. A very good point. Yeah. <laughs> See, there's always a commercial angle on it. Somewhere. There is. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Richard Adams has said that EasyJet would start charging extra for clothes. Anyway. Good point. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, very absolutely. true.
2: Because you know the additional weight. Yeah, and of
1: course, uh, Doctor Steph is an angel, according to the chat room.
2: Right. Good. Anyway, moving go. on. Moving on <laughs> swiftly okay, to the next so, story.
1: So, uh, Matt, this one's for yeah, you. Yeah. So
2: this story, a, bit of a tech one. It is. Yeah. It, it, it is on the Travel and Leisure website. Travel and Leisure. Dot com and the headline is new app lets you bid on unsold airline seats at the last minute, so snag a last minute deal on your dream destination. A new startup is here to reward spontaneous travellers who like to plan trips on a whim, as well as proc- proc- oh, dear procrastinators who tend to purchase their airline word, t- I know I know who tend to purchase their airline tickets just days before their desired departure date. Um, so this UK-based air ticket ticket arena an air ticket distribution platform launched on the 1st of February to give last minute flyers the opportunity to place bids for unsold seats to so play your hand at booking a budget friendly ticket download the air ticket arena mobile app on your um, are, uh, doing it? are you right good uh, where are we going anywhere nice uh, on your on your phone and register once your account is verified choose your destination departure and return dates and the number of tickets that you'd like to bid on you will Will get to choose. Uh, which of the participating airlines you'd like to fly with, so long as they have flights scheduled for that day. You can make a bid uh, up to 14 days ahead of your preferred departure date. If you want to book a return ticket, uh, you can place a second bid up to 14 days from the departure. Uh, Egypt. So it's a bit risky. So you go away, and then you you know sort of have a little bit of a game, sort of play roulette, see if you get home all right. Uh, I can't see this working in the world of NEV, to be fair.
3: <laughs> no. I mean, I I, I like a bit of a challenge at the best of time. But uh, no, I kind of need to go somewhere and, and get back You know, plus plus or minus um, an hour of the, uh, of the book time. Ideally, yes that's always nice. Yes. Uh, once you have
2: uh, selected your preferences you place your bid by entering how much money you are willing to pay for that ticket the price is in euros so don't forget to convert the currency to US dollars or, or sterling in our case. Uh, for 24 to 48 hours before the scheduled flight the airline will decide the amount of unsold seats up for sale and the minimum price they are willing to accept for A bid. If a seat is unavailable for the same or less uh, price uh, that you choose, the airline will automatically book your flight and an e-ticket will be delivered to you. Yes, yeah, so it's a little bit brave, isn't it? Fair warning, because the app is new, the bugs and kinks are still to be worked out. Signing up for the app is not intuitive. Uh, <laughs> Carlos seems to be <laughs> nodding and agreeing there. Um, and uh, if there are no no available tickets on that date, you want to leave Air Ticket Arena does not offer alternative times or flights. Still, for choosing your own price, an extra time, the extra time it takes to fiddle with the dates and uh, Given into your Wanderlust is very much worth the effort. The app is currently available on Google Play and will be available on Apple's uh, App Store platform this March there's also a web based app but it's still in beta testing so that sounds quite interesting so so this is unusual Carlos yeah. your, your hideous platform has received a device before iOS who'd have thought that was possible yeah <laughs> I wouldn't
1: get too excited Matt no. oh, I, okay. I can okay. see now why the app's got a 3.1 star rating on okay. the app store going well then right Yes. yeah okay. so far I'm, I'm just trying to find a flight to, uh, to see Steph actually right Dr. Steph okay. and um, what now uh, well anytime actually right. okay. if you could uh, sort of
2: wait till the end of the show i'd be grateful uh, according to the <laughs> app
1: there's no results found okay uh, so apparently we can't go to charlotte uh, from from the uk okay good um, will she mind um, and it's an incredibly slow app, is it? Yeah. Right.
2: Okay. Perhaps it's because all of our PT UK listeners are all trying to do it as we speak. Yeah. We've it's, crashed up system.
3: People come out with these apps when they're, they're not sort of fully bottomed out and, and <laughs> developed and haven't been tested. Ends up using version 0.7 or something. You know, it's just mad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I suppose with any app, though, in in their, their defence, you've got to start somewhere. Mm. So well, start start with a a, a, a platform your, uh, right, like Ron Carlos is using just now. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, okay. Nev, uh,
1: moving swiftly on Nev, mm-hmm. if yes. you can get this up on the uh, MacBook, if that's not crashed Stop the it. Next story. Oh, hold oh. Careful, uh, Carlos. <laughs> be,
2: people in glass houses should never throw stones. Uh, oh, there
1: we go. <laughs> oh, got there in the end.
3: That was almost uh, Nev, time. the well, next done. story
1: is yeah. uh, is for you, and it's uh, a bit of a worry for an aircraft we were talking about not so long back.
3: That's right. This is on the live mint. Dot com And um, uh, no frills airline Indigo has grounded three A320neo aircraft due to engine problems, according to a senior official at Aviation Regulator. DGCA. The grounded aircraft are powered by Pratt & Whitney engines and the move follows a directive from European Aviation Safety Regulator EASA. The official at Directorate General of Civil Aviation DGCA said EASA on Friday Issued an emergency airworthiness di- uh, directive for A320neo planes fitted with Pratt & Whitney, Whitney PW1100 engines having a particular serial number. The directive came in the wake of instances of the engines in-flight shutdowns and rejected takeoffs involving A320neo family planes," the official added. Airbus has also issued an alert for providing instructions to de-pair the affected engines and discontinue extended-range twin operations for aircraft fitted with affected engines. The DGCA official said Indigo has three such aircraft which have been grounded. Further, the official noted that the uh, latest issue is different from the problems experienced by Indigo's A320neos earlier and those have been addressed. In a statement, Indigo said that it had proactively withdrawn the three A320neo aircraft from service from the 9th of February. Our precautionary measure of grounding these three aircraft resulted in cancellations of some of our flights, it said. And according to the airline, the recommendations by Pratt & Whitney as well as EASA are with respect to certain subpopulation of engines uh, with a particular engine configuration. Pratt and Whitney, with the support of Airbus, is in close contact with the airline to address the results of a recent finding related to the issue. It added, "Well, I would say about this that the it's good that they've got a you know sort of preemptive thing going on here um, because these all these new engines report back stats and things directly mm. to the manufacturer, so they can mm. probably see things going on before they actually happen." And there's clearly some instances of in-flight difficulties as well. So it's good that they're uh, nipping this in the bud early on. I, I,
2: now I have a, a small, uh, you know how we, we, we're big fans of uh, correct, appropriate reporting on oh, yes. various stories and things. Uh, now I'm I'm not the, the biggest expert when it comes to stuff like this, I'm the first to admit this, but is, is there any obvious uh, minor issues in regard to the photograph they've chosen
1: to
3: to put with this story by any chance? I have a sneaky suspicion that's uh, not
1: the NEO. Yes,
3: that, that's not a NEO aircraft, no. is it? No. That's that's a standard A320. Judging by the size of its engines. Yes. Mm. Oh dear. Oh dear. dear.
1: Every week. I'm definitely
3: going to, if I, later this year, if I come up with a new segment called. Uh, Nev's media faux pas. <laughs> yes, that's going to be on the list. Yeah. <laughs> that I, would I be am, so I'm good. Can be shorter material. Low, that, really. So much content. Can you imagine if we had an excellent. outtakes uh, blooper reel
1: at the end of each year for all the media faux pas yeah. that we do? <laughs> that's we that's a good idea. I think we'll start work on that, shall yeah. we?
3: Yeah. Right. Be great on, right. Okay, good. One. So, sure. next story.
1: <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the next story uh, is on the flyingmag.com website. Now, this story has a video. Um, yes. Which Matt has got to play out is quite a disturbing video, actually, if you, if you consider what the video is mm-hmm. being uh, filmed from mm-hmm. and where the, the actual from is flying. So uh, the headline then FAA investigating video of drone flying dangerously close to an airliner. So, a dramatic viral video shows a drone encounter with an inbound Frontier Airlines Airbus A320 at Las Vegas McCarran Airport. When uh, when they first came across the video of the drone's encounter with an airliner, a lot of people assumed it was fake, or at least impossible to verify as real. Now, the FAA confirms it's a flying uh, mag that uh, it is a very seriously and very true video. You can see on the video there now, if you're watching on YouTube, that video is being broadcast or recorded by a drone which judging by the camera angle there was not that far above that A320 so uh, the FAA take the video very seriously and members of the drone community are coming forward and to say it is 100% real oh. and a stupid stunt that tarnishes their whole community. The video, originally posted to a drone enthusiast Facebook group by someone called James J.O. Alder, who describes himself as a Las Vegas high school student, shows the drone quickly climbing to an altitude of at least 1,000 feet, a mere seconds before a Frontier Airlines A320 uh, flies underneath it. Uh, drone are restricted to heights of no more than 400 feet but a custom-built racing drone like one of the many drone enthusiasts uh, use was suspect uh, to be used in the uh, particular incident uh, which was in Las Vegas and uh, well it's, it's disturbing enough I mean internet sleuths have determined that the drone took off from a parking spot near the Whitney Nessa Nature Reserve, about three and a half miles due east of McCarran's runways, 2-5 left and 2-5 right, then it quickly climbed above the flight path of the inbound Frontier jetliner before zeroing in on its flight path with its HD camera. The drone comes uh, within a 100 feet or so of the A320, and even its tail number, November 210 Foxtrot Romeo, can clearly be seen in the video. These clues could help investigators determine when the video was shot, drone industry groups were quick to condemn the drone pilot who faces a world of trouble if he gets caught mm, I bet. Older uh, has reportedly confirmed the video is real but says he didn't shoot it and also the FAA spokesman um, said that the uh, incident is under investigation and if the perpetrator is found the penalty could be as severe as a $250,000 oh. fine and three years in prison
3: wow well they're taking it seriously then i'm pleased yeah to say. What,
1: what do you think of that video nev
3: well now um just talking technically just for a moment there is no reason at all why why that video couldn't have embedded uh, metadata in it and so it would know exactly Mm. uh, where it was and like a a mac address on it so the same thing you get out the back of your computer Mm -hmm. to prove it's a unique identification the problem is is that you don't know who's flying it and um, obviously you can have drones registered to uh, certain pilots or registered users but I think it's one of these things now isn't it, we, we're operating or they are operating uh, remotely uh, from the from the uh, actual equipment itself so it's really difficult to, to pin down who is actually responsible yeah. for it but uh, they've, they've got to do more in this area because um, we, well, we keep saying it every week don't we, uh, that this is going to be a, a big moment one of these days See, and uh, p- people have to make uh, make some big decisions I think.
2: I, I would argue actually in some respects there's, an, there's, there's potential here for um like the first the person that first posted it online uh should be the one where the buck stops unless they can successfully prove otherwise. Hmm. There's here's a here's a, crazy, yes. a slightly crazy idea. I know okay. I, yeah. I know it could be logistically a bit comp, you know difficult to do it, but this guy who's posted it so they've obviously tracked it back far enough to have worked out that this was the person responsible for it first appearing online although he 's denying that he mm. had anything to do with the footage, you know but he 's got to somehow prove, and it wouldn 't be too difficult you know if they're, if they 're willing to like you know charge you two hundred and fifty thousand pounds and send you to prison for three years. then they 're going to be willing to look into your financial records about where you might have bought say a drone from a shop, for example therefore it 's up to you to prove you know successfully like that you weren 't the one who posted this video. I mean, I, maybe I'm being a little controversial here.
3: I think that's a very good point. And, and uh, I think people, um, I think the judiciary and, you know, the people that make the rules about um, mm. aviation safety have to have some um, big big ideas about how they're going to solve this problem because it's just yeah. going to go on and on. And I think that um, I'm not sure, I mean, always, I think that the uh, aviation fraternity were always on the back foot with this. Mm. They, they never got ahead of the game quick enough. No. And then suddenly there's incidents in and around the um, uh, the terminal areas of, of airports and, and this kind of stuff. But they're, they're, they've really got up their game now, I think, to, to I think, find ways yeah. of, of finding and, and prosecuting. And, and
2: uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm the first to look at that vid- video footage and think, wow. Wow, actually, a small part of me thinks that that was amazing. Do you know what I mean? Because it's <laughs> yeah. a view you wouldn't normally get. But then yeah. at the same time, yeah. you sort of look at that footage and you think that could have so easily been a hideous disaster. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Over
1: yep. a built-up area as well. Don't forget, yeah, all houses below. There. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. So if you, I'm not being funny, if you did bring down, said, so, and, so that, but that was coming into land, so. Mm. You know, it's quite close to the airport. I don't know. There's so many things wrong with that story, yeah. really. Anyway, we're going to move on before I get sued. Uh, and the headline uh, on Forbes.com website this time is new smartphones. So th- 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 st- new s- f- smartphone app. Now the A380 we've we've covered several st- stories where they're perhaps not as easy to to find and get a flight on as as um, perhaps many would like because I know, you know, there we've run stories where the A380 is perhaps not uh, in service as much as many would like. Uh, but this new app from Airbus makes it easy to find and book A380 flights. Travelling internationally, wouldn't you rather fly in on the comfort of a giant A380? Now a new app an existing website for from airbus uh i fly a 380 right i fly <laughs> what i fly a 380 that's quite good dear lord uh, let <laughs> let you is it i try yeah i fly I fly, I fly a380.com A380. Uh, will let you find and book A380 flights. Carlos is on this now. Uh, The uh, Airbus has been marketing the A380, the world's largest air passenger um, aircraft, to airlines over the last 15 years with mixed success. New Airbus, uh, now Airbus, is finally marketing directly to the ultimate consumer, the passenger. Many passengers wanted to fly specifically on the A380, but it has become very difficult to know which aircraft you would fly on, says Stephanie Vupo. Who is the digital? Who is the digital Airbus transformation leader? Uh, now it's easy to find A380 flights through this app. The idea is to promote the passenger preference for the. <sighs> f-
1: the, the right, you're right there. Yeah, no, it's a rubbish app because <laughs> it's is- only on rubbishy iOS oh dear oh Oh dear anyway carry on
2: (laughs) Uh, where did I get to so the idea is to promote the passenger preference for the giant plane uh, as the iFlyer A380 (laughs) website puts uh, it passengers can fall in love with flying all over again to help promote this experience the website and smartphone apps include features from AR to social media as well as inspiring images of world destinations from Abu Dhabi to Zurich Uh, the target audience is Frequent flyers as well as millennials uh, said, Airbus digital transformation leader Jeremiah Bouskov, uh, the more you, <laughs> the more you fly, the more you will like the A380. With the A380, you don't feel the takeoff or landing, and you enjoy the silence and the smoothness of flight. Now, have you flown on an A380? Many times, yeah. And, and would you agree with that statement that that uh, it, you don't feel the takeoff and landing?
1: But. Well, you feel the takeoff and landing because obviously you know you're taking off and landing. but no, it is incredibly quiet. I will mm. say that for the 380. Um, yeah. I've, I've flown on Emirates and the, Q- the Qantas, um, um, you know, versions of, um, no, it is quiet, it's comfortable. I mm. will say that, um, and I think both times I flew with on the 380, um, I probably did book them because it was using the 380. Um, Really, yeah. Uh, especially with Emirates, I know the last time we went to Dubai with Emirates, I did look when I was booking to go to try and get back on the 380 again because the option the, you, there are options to go on the triple seven actually to you know to Dubai, but you know just to have a go with the 380, it's uh, always nice to try. Yeah, uh, it's a very beautiful. The one largest of the, British Airways, the British
2: Airways one I've just yeah. put up on the old YouTube stream there.
1: But no, they've they've released this app on iOS. Unfortunately. Um, they'll release it on a p- proper platform at some point. They already have the released it on a proper app platform. No, though. it's not on Android.
3: No, no, <laughs> moving on.
1: Anyway, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I mean, Nev, you, ha- you have yet to fly on a 380, hundred and
3: not you? Yeah, I've not been on one and um, I'm trying to find a route which would be good. So I'm... Uh, You're going to download this app? Sh- yes well, he's well, got he's do. got a decent phone so I, he can i, yeah. well, I think um, <laughs> i'd quite like to do a well actually uh, there might be an opportunity coming up in june because i'm off Ooh. to las vegas for our other trade show that we do there <clears throat> so mm, let's see if i can you. do at least a, a heathrow so, to so, la so, uh, so i'm now about I, to literally be to the trade. only one that's not been to las vegas Mm, yes. Yeah, so, oh. I think you've got to go once at least, yeah. um, and then at that point you'll decide whether you want to go back again. <laughs> I, I, I do quite like it, I have to say. Yeah. No, I, I like yeah. it. I enjoyed Vegas.
2: Yeah. I know. I have a feeling that my boss and and Charlotte are not going to like it, but there we are. That's my my mm. personal opinion. They're they're going to spend it in a hotel at a trade show, so but on a stand. But they're not they're not
1: flying a three. They're they're flying United. I think are they flying United or no Brie? Thank you. Oh Brie Brie right. yeah okay Brie or, or BA, if you so prefer. that'll be uh. so that'll probably be a triple seven. I'd imagine. To, uh, or, to or or a to or a Dreamliner, A380, or dreamliner yeah, yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Right okay yeah, yeah good yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So moving on to our last. Nick would be so proud of me, wouldn't he? Story <laughs> in uh, the news segment this week we. we. We haven't had one for a while, so I thought I'd dig one out of the news feeds, and uh, this one uh, came actually online, well, just towards the end of this week. And uh, we, we haven't done a, a top 10, but we haven't done a food-related item for a while. So before
2: we start, which way round are we going to do it? We're going to start at 10 and we'll work away way We'll start at back. 10. Okay. All right.
3: um, but it's
1: this great. one is, the story then is on the Forbes.com site. We we to, to be sponsored by Forbes this week. <laughs> right. Uh, Forbes.com <laughs> okay. website. And uh, the headline is, Top 10 Airports for Food okay. in 2018. Uh, figure out what... uh, uh, What to eat is often a dreaded task for many air travellers. Between the salty fast food and stress and struggle to finding a seat at an airport, yeah, they must fly from Luton, uh, dining isn't typically known for its desirability. Thankfully, there are a number of international airports that offer a great variety of dining experiences at a decent price. To find the best ones, Reward export, or Expert gathered uh, thousands of reviews of airports and businesses across the US and put together the 2018 International Airport Dining Scorecard. So we're going to start off at number 10, then. Um, Nev, do you want to kick off?
3: Yeah, this is Heathrow Airport, London, and the second busiest international airport with more than 75 million travelers in 2016. Heathrow boasts the third highest quality in food thanks to renowned chefs such as Gordon Ramsay. Unsurprisingly, it is also the most expensive, which explains the shock horror what in London.
2: Indeed, in at number nine.
3: At number nine, it's Munich
1: Airport in Germany. So, Like the Adolfo Suarez Madrid-Bajaras Airport, the Munich Airport would have ranked a lot higher if not for its pricey dishes. At nearly 40% higher than average prices among the 15 airports, the second highest on the list, Munich makes up its average number of choices and high quality food
3: in at number eight number eight is madrid bajares airport and you can count on this airport in madrid to have some drool worthy spanish foods and <laughs> nice. tapas. Uh, but if you're into something else then uh, sorry there's not much uh, not much diversity here to rival the quality and price
2: It's new, it's in at number
1: seven. Number seven, it's Kingsford Smith Airport in Sydney, Australia, snatching a perfect score in the diversity department for offering everything from Thai, Mexican... And Australian cuisine. The Sydney airport doesn't fare so well when it comes
3: to price, but at least the
1: food tastes great.
3: It's a new entry. It's a bit of a shock. It's number six. (laughs) It's uh, Gatport Airwick. Indeed. Uh, Who knew uh, Gatwick (laughs) would have topped Heathrow on the dining front? Although in terms of quality, Gatwick is 4% lower than its more famous counterpart. The airport's substantially lower price made it number six on the list, which was four higher than Heathrow.
2: Um, number five, Middleford, we're going to ask Nev for some specific comment on this one.
1: So at number five, it's Amsterdam Airport, Schiphol. Schiphol. Finally, an airport outside of Asia on the list. Schiphol has a bit of everything from dining to uh, more budgeted options uh, for different travellers. Price and diversity-wise, the airport scores at the top 50%. However, quality rise, it's
3: 3% shy of the top half of the rankings.
1: Nev, would you agree? Yep.
3: I would agree with that. I think they did a very nice job and uh, there's a plenty of selection for, for all tastes there.
2: In at number four.
3: Uh, that's uh, Changi Airport in Singapore, boasting the b- most balanced score uh, in terms of the top half of quality, price and diversity. Singapore's Changi Airport offers a number of authentic quality dining options, among which uh, Cantonese food is its speciality.
2: It's our biggest climber this week. It's number three.
1: At number three, it's Hong Kong International Airport. Lucky for those who travel through Hong Kong International Airport, which are plenty, considering it's the thir- world's third busiest international airport. There's lots of amazing food, from Caviar House and Prunier to Crystal Jade Lamian Yao Long Bao. Oh, God. And Lady <laughs> M here come coming the in early <laughs> oh, <no>. with 2018, <laughs> with constantly, uh, consistently positive dining reviews here speak for themselves.
3: It is second in our... Our top 10. It is number two. Sensational pronunciation there from uh, Carlos. <laughs> I know, it's and, a uh, isn't, isn't it? This <laughs> is the yeah. Taiwan... Uh, see, I'm, I can't say it. This is in Taipei. <laughs> Taiwan. In <laughs> Taiwan, that's it. And what this airport lacks uh, in range of choices, it more than makes up for for Food quality, uh, second highest rated, and price second lowest. Even if you're here in transit, you'll get to try a number of local Taiwanese dishes that are quick and delicious, such as bubble tea and handmade noodles. Who on earth thought, oh, it, it, let's be honest, who thought for the moment that the
2: star of the show <laughs> as far as pronunciations would go would be Carlos? <laughs> who, who would have thought that was even vaguely possible? Anyway, it is top of the charts. It is our winner this week. It is number one.
1: Uh, number one, it's Nuri. International Airport in Tokyo, Japan. While not quite as centrally located as Haneda Airport, this famous travel hub is also known for its fantastic selection of Japanese food at a moderate cost. Yaktori Sushi Yundon and Tonaksu. You name it, the high-quality dining experience at Narita makes it number one on the list by a big margin of nearly 0.7 points higher out of five. I really don't feel very well, Carlos. What,
2: just, bravo, Carlos, that's all I can say. That's, that's very great. good, absolutely. My Japanese
1: lessons are going down a storm. You're having Japanese lessons. Oh, Dude, you can barely speak English. Oh, I know, thanks. They're always a pleasure, never a chore. Oh, uh, That <laughs> brings our commercial news segment to a close. Hope you all enjoyed that. I'm feeling a bit hungry, then. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah I, I must admit, I, out of all the dining experiences I've had I've had, I, I must admit the Jamie Oliver restaurant at Stansted Airport was quite good.
2: I'm oh, quite shocked. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah nice I must well. admit, I had, it, I had, I, I, I ate at said restaurant in uh, Stratford, and I wasn't overly impressed. No, oh, okay. I've got to be honest, but there we are. Where's the best place that you've had a meal? To be fair, Nev, because I mean you do a little bit of reasonable travelling.
3: I'm trying to think, actually. I'd quite like the Scandinavian airports. So yeah. um, Copenhagen, Stockholm and Oslo are the ones I've been to over the last few years. And uh, they offer very good dining, I must say. And it is a bit expensive, but it, it, I think it's well worth it, actually.
2: Very nice. Indeed. Well, we're going to move on now before we get into serious trouble, because we're talking about food. It? Uh, and <laughs> it's <laughs> airport food. It is airport it's food. It's airport food. Indeed. So, uh, Nev, uh, there is only one person who really can introduce uh, the forthcoming Next segment:
3: Well, do you remember a little a while ago last year, uh, Dr. Steph told us all about her uh, travels around the world and all the rest of it? And I thought it'd be nice to capture this in one long segment of a Nev's passenger experience. So uh, here she is telling us all about it. welcome to another in the series of Nev's passenger experience. Well this week I'm speaking to a special guest who has not been shy about spending a few bob on her travels. As many of you know Dr. Steph is a co-host on the airline pilot guy show and last year she went on a bit of a jaunt around the world to put it mildly. She also took in a couple of marathons on the way as you do. This is quite a long interview, as Steph has a great deal to talk about, but I think you will enjoy her tales of her travels and how she was able to bask in some considerable luxury. I began by asking Steph what the purpose of her trip was.
4: Yeah, so this trip was actually a combination of two trips. Um, You know, I do a lot of travel, Um, I enjoy traveling, none of it's for work, anywhere I go or fly is just for me personally most of the time. And I do a lot of crazy things, but certainly never have done a crazy around the world trip. And the only reason this happened was because it was a combination of two trips. First being, um, I decided to go and run the Berlin Marathon with mm-hmm. a friend of mine from, from med school. But anyway, throughout the course of 2017, I was also trying to plan this other trip with different friends from med school, where we have another mutual friend who lives, who was living in Tokyo for all of 2017 and for a few years before that. Um, and we had to see her before the end of the year because her husband was in the Navy and they were moving back to the East Coast of the U.S. They're both physicians. Um, so they were trying to arrange their time off of work. And it was hard for them to get the same time off together. They're in different specialties. So the only the only time they could actually arrange off was like the two weeks after the Berlin Marathon. I said, mm-hmm. you guys, that's not going to work out real great. <laughs> I have to be in Berlin. Yeah. And then I said, well, actually, hold on. This This could work. I'll just ask for you know, an extended vacation and I'll just meet you in Tokyo after I go to Berlin. So that's how this all came about. So I actually left Charlotte, went to Berlin, which was kind of a roundabout way of getting there. And we'll get into that in a minute. I'm sure, um, spent a few days there, ran the marathon, spent a night in London, flew to Tokyo, Spent four or five days there and then back to Charlotte. I think all in all it was 12 days away from home.
3: Yeah, right.
4: And a, and a lap around the world.
3: <laughs> now, you could have done all, all of this uh, on uh, in coach or economy, couldn't you, if you wanted? I could
4: have, I could have. And actually there was only one segment of the entire trip that was in coach uh, after I came to my senses, because initially I booked the first leg to Berlin uh, in economy because I was just so, it's very expensive to get To anywhere in Europe from Charlotte for some reason. Mm. Um, It's just not a usual, uh, you know, American Airlines kind of has the um, monopoly on anything that's direct. So everything else is multiple stops. And it tends not to be very, very cheap. So I was like, heck with it. It's the first segment. I'm not gonna um, spend a lot of money. I can fly an economy. That's no big deal. Well, then about two weeks before the trip, I had this moment of panic um, about flying in economy for, for all of that distance, because not only was I running the, the Berlin Marathon, but two weeks after Berlin, when I was back home, I had to go to Chicago to run the Chicago Marathon. Yeah. And something in my brain just said, that's, that's not going to be, you don't want to spend any time cramped in economy if you can help it. So I actually went and changed that ticket and spent a little bit extra money um, to fly business class yeah. to Berlin. And it, so. it just makes such a
3: difference, doesn't it, in in terms of the oh, re- recovery huge, time. A uh, huge difference. And what uh, fl- uh, what plane were you on uh, on on that first leg?
4: Yep, so the first flight was actually three flights. Um, and I take it back because one of the first, the very first one was also economy, but it's because it was on a CRJ 200. Yep. It was an Air Canada regional uh, flight up to Toronto, uh, which was actually very nice. Um, it's the most comfortable CRJ 200 I've ever been on. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's listening to me talk in the past, they'll know that that's my least favorite airliner, <laughs> um, jet, small jet. It's, uh, you know, just the placement of the windows is terrible. It's down by your elbow, you can't see anything. Yeah. But this flight was maybe a third full, And the seats were actually fairly comfortable um, and it was not a terribly long flight. So uh, it was it was a nice experience. Um, It was a little bit crazy because it was a code share because my next two flights were with Turkish Airlines. So I flew from Toronto to Istanbul and then Istanbul to Berlin. So that was my very roundabout way of getting to uh, (laughs) Berlin (laughs) from Charlotte. It was the most economical at the time, though. But because it was code share, for some reason, when I went to check in for the flight, it wouldn't let me check in for any of it. It said I had to go to the airport and do it. So I got there and I was able to check in for the Air Canada flight, but they couldn't check me in for the the Turkish Airlines flights for some reason. So when I got to Toronto, I had to actually leave security because no one on the air side of the airport could actually check me in for my Turkish Airlines flight. So I had to go out through security, find the Turkish Airlines counter, explain to them what the problem was. And then it was like talking to two or three different people. So I had, you know, an hour and a half layover in Toronto. Mm. I ate up that entire amount of time just trying to get my boarding pass and then getting back to the gate oh, to board the plane. <laughs> so I spent <laughs> just, a, you know, it was a whirlwind tour of Toronto. Yeah, Center. definitely. Yeah. Ran from one end of the airport to the other. But um, but yeah, then the next flight, very nice. Um, my first time flying with Turkish Airlines. It was actually my first time on a 777 mm. as well. Yeah. Um, you know, their their business class was, was very nice. It's not super, you know, it's not nearly as fancy as some of like the Middle Eastern carriers that we'll talk about in a minute, but I actually liked the way they had it configured. My seat was actually not direct aisle access, um, but the lady next to me had wanted a window seat as well, so she kept asking the flight attendant after we boarded if mm-hmm. there was anything available, and there was, so she actually got up and left, so I had basically... A road to myself
3: oh, perfect! Yeah. next to
4: the window so yeah. it ended up being basically direct aisle access and uh, you know a lot of the business class now it's all very cocoon like you have your own little seats and you don't see anyone else because yeah. they've kind of barricaded you in theirs was very open which was actually kind of nice it felt very spacious it felt very roomy the seats were big um, they were comfortable um, the food was fantastic um, I got off the plane in Istanbul, and I was like, well, I could go to the lounge and eat. Except I've just had like four meals on this <laughs> nine-hour flight, so <laughs> I'm not really yeah. anymore. Yeah. It was really, it was really very nice. I think they did a very good job on Turkish
3: Airlines. Mm, great. So what happened after that? When you got to Berlin, uh, what was your next yep. flight? After yep. That? So
4: I took a, a Turkish Airlines A321 to Berlin. um mm. kind of a older. A321, it looked a little tired. My, um, I was still in business class for that, and I, there was only like two other people in business class for that yeah. whole flight. So it was very, very empty, kind of strange, I thought. My my tray table was broken. <laughs> the oh. the uh, entertainment unit that came out from the armrest also did not keep its, uh, it, it wouldn't stay in one place. It kept like yeah. tilting to one side, so you had oh. to keep readjusting it. I mean, these are first world problems, <laughs> right? Like not, not really a big deal in the long run, but it just was yeah. like, eh. <laughs> You know, not quite the same experience, but very nice flight into Berlin. Um, so got there, spent a couple of days there, um, uh, was actually met at the airport by our mutual uh, PTUK APG listener, Fabian. So that was, that was nice. Yeah. Nice welcoming. Ran the marathon and immediately after the marathon on, yeah, that must have been Sunday, um, board, went back to the airport and boarded a British Airways flight over to London Heathrow. That's right. Yes, I remember that. So that was a... A319 and that was also economy coach and I fly a lot of um, kind of no-frills flights here in the the US I I tend to like Southwest Airlines I kind of grew up with them and they're kind of known for being no frills here Um, Hmm. but oh my goodness that British Airways flight the lack of space on the flight it was very very cramped you know, I don't have. That's the only British Airways flight I've ever taken, so I don't really have any other other aircraft to some, compare some it to. Some of
3: the A319s that they run do have uh, some very tight seat configurations. Not not all of them, uh, but some of them do. And I think it sounds like you were probably on one of those. Uh, which
4: yeah, is- I mean, I'm I'm five seven, so I'm not short but I'm not exceptionally tall yeah. and most of my height is kind of in my torso so I usually don't have problems with my knees being you know cramped up into my chest or mm-hmm. anything like that um, but I actually have a picture that I'm looking at right now where you can see there's like you know two inches of space between my knees and the oh, seat in okay. front of me so it was and I just remember the seats not being terribly comfortable it was, it was a short flight and it was it was perfectly fine I mean there was nothing I don't have anything otherwise negative to say about British mm-hmm. Airways the service was good and it was it was efficient it was just it was just crowded. Yeah. A little cramped. I, I, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. So then we
3: met up for a curry with Adam and Pip uh, on the we Sunday did. night, Thank which you was great. And
4: then you're off again uh, on the did. Monday morning, weren't you? Monday morning, yes. Um, so this was my flight to Tokyo, and this was with Etihad. And we had a stopover in Abu Dhabi on the way. So the first flight was on an A380, second flight was on a Dreamliner yeah. 787. Okay. Uh, so i've been on the a380 before i flew with emirates um, from jfk to dubai one time in uh, business class which was a significant upgrade for us at the time then and i was very much looking forward to my business class flight with Edihad. Um, you know just thinking back to middle eastern carriers yeah. and the nice job they do with some of the the luxury stuff and i had an email from them a couple days before the flight um, with an offer to upgrade to first class And I hadn't seen this before, but I guess a lot of airlines are doing it this way now, where it's kind of a bidding process where Mm -hmm. you can offer a certain amount of money for the... It starts... I mean, they don't just let you bid with, like, $1, you know, or one pound. They give you... a
3: sensible starting point, I guess. Yeah,
4: yeah. They give you a starting point. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, well, I'll give them the minimum. I'll I'll put Mm -hmm. that in as my bid. And if it, you know, if there's... If it works out, that'll be fun, and I'm a little bit more money, but it'd be nice to have a first class seat. Yeah. And if not, I've still got a business class seat and it doesn't cost me anything. So I ended up getting that first class upgrade, um, which really wasn't a terrible deal. I don't think it was 700 and something pounds extra oh. for the first class seat. That's close to a thousand US dollars. Um, but for a seven hour flight, um, not, not terrible.
3: Yeah, I'll agree with that.
4: So I think up in, in first class, there's actually only nine first class uh, seats and they call them apartments, which is pretty suitably named because it's it's a large amount of space. Mm. You, know, you imagine the A380, and there's really only one seat on either side of the aisle. There's really kind of two the way they've they've done it, but um, there's there's just one aisle down the middle and the seats on either side. So you've got a lot of space, a lot of width, and then also a lot of length in the seat. I think there were three windows that I had just to myself in that apartment and a nice big plush seat for takeoff and landing and kind of a lounge seat to relax in that actually folded out into a a bed i think the bed was longer than six feet so you know a decent size bed that they would come and make up for you and and pillows and comforters and everything um you you get on the flight and the the chef comes by and he says well what time would you like your meal and what would you like to order it's not just what do you want it's (laughs) when do you want it so you can specify times for all of that. If you know what you want to do during the flight, you know, take a nap, watch TV, if you're hungry or not. Um, so it was very nice. And then they come by and they say, well, what time uh, would you like to book the shower? <laughs> you go, oh, the shower. <laughs> so yeah, I, I booked it. I, I was like, well, you know, I, I thought about it for a minute. I said about probably an hour and a half before we are due to land, I think would be reasonable because um, I had another nine hour flight Immediately after my seven-hour, seven-plus-hour flight to Abu Dhabi, is like, well, it'd be nice to, to grab a little shower and refresh a little bit and and go on from there. So, I, it's not a it's not a large space, but I mean, it's pretty incredible that there's a shower on an aircraft in the first place. Um, How does it
3: work? I mean, do, do you get the, the full pressure that you might get at home for for? Yeah, trip? it
4: really it really wasn't um, it wasn't bad. So you are limited to five minutes. Hmm. There's a timer. It actually will will count down. Um, but you can start and stop the water, oh, so right. it, you know you can kind of stretch it out. And it's it was nice, warm water. It wasn't cold or anything. So uh, standing there for a minute without the water running wasn't wasn't terrible. Um, you know they pro- provide all your um, toiletries and whatnot, of course. Mm. No, it was it was really nice. It made a huge difference. It really did. Yeah. Fantastic. So just a, a quick five-minute shower. Yeah, and
3: then you took the Dreamliner uh, from there to Tokyo, I guess. Exactly.
4: Yep, and we. Go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, and and what about the reduced cabin uh, pressure in the Dreamliner? How much of a difference would you say that it made for you?
4: You know, I, I know everyone's talked about that and I really was trying to pay attention to it and I don't know that I really noticed a big difference, um, you know, just comparing those two flights in general because they were both very comfortable. Um, I will say that I slept for most of that flight and had no problem whatsoever sleeping. I did not wake up feeling kind of dehydrated mm. and you know when your skin's dry and you just yeah. don't feel real great after you sleep on an air, airplane sometimes. Um, so I didn't really have that sense. So I think that probably did make a big difference there, and it, it really was easy to yeah. to sleep and, and nap. And I, I did get to Tokyo very refreshed. You know, we left at like I forget 11 something at night from Abu Dhabi and arrived at. Twelve thirty, one o'clock the hmm. next afternoon yeah. in Tokyo. I certainly and found when
3: I, when I flew from Washington, Dulles, to Heathrow uh, on the overnight flight on a United Dreamliner, it's it, it, the usual thing, you know. You get to Heathrow at seven in the morning, and you just feel horrible. And I have yeah, to say, I didn't, didn't feel too bad. But more importantly, it was during the, the rest of the day I actually had an entirely normal day. Uh, yep. I think back at home or work, and I didn't have to go to bed at you know two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so from that point of view, I, I found it uh, quite. Refreshing, I have to say.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I really was able to hit the ground running in in Tokyo. I had a whole bunch of instructions that I had to follow that my friend had given me because I was. Uh, we timed it pretty well where I was landing at almost the same time as my other two friends who were traveling from mm. basically the Boston area of the U.S. So they they actually I think went to Toronto, connected there, and took an Air Canada flight over to. Haneda, I landed in Narita, which is the complete wrong side of Tokyo from where my friend <laughs> lives. So she gave me all these instructions because she was going to the airport to pick up my other two friends. Right. So I was kind of on my own to get to her house. So she said, you know, line up for this. Uh, you'll, you'll When you leave Immigration and Customs, you'll see all the bus counters, line up at this bus counter, it's got this color awning, not the other color (laughs) awning, this one. She's like, when you get to the front, just say Sagami Ono Eki, which means Sagami Ono Station. (laughs) You want to go to that train station, but you have to get there on the bus. And it was, it was really efficient and it, it worked great. I only managed to take one wrong train in the entire journey trying that to get was to her place. Very bus.
3: good. When I went yes. to Narita, uh, I noticed very quickly that after I got the bus into the city center, into Tokyo, uh, all the um, English signs disappeared, disappeared very, very quickly. <laughs> yeah.
4: indeed. Well, and, and the train station that I went to initially, I had to go to a train station and then take just one train, you know, a couple stops further to where she, you know, the town that she lived in. Mm. And she told me which platform to get on and everything. She's like, all of the trains on that platform go to this, go to the station that you need to be at for my house. One's an express train, one's not an express train. But she was really good because she actually listed the stops that I would make if I was not on the express train. That's good. So I found the right platform. I got on the train. I didn't bother to read the signs. (laughs) They did come up in English every once in a while, but there was like a delay. And I was like, well, I don't know. She told me every train goes to the right place. And, uh... (laughs) got on the train and I was looking at the first stop and I'm like, that's not on the list. (laughs) And she goes, oh, I forgot there is one. I was like, okay, no problem. Just go back to the main station, try it again.
3: So how long did you spend in Tokyo then before you left? Uh,
4: It was there just about five days, Hmm. four or five days. So enough time to see a lot of the city and, and hang out with them and, and do a couple different things. So yeah. it was really nice.
3: Fantastic. And then from Tokyo, did you get a direct flight back to the U.S.? Uh, I
4: did. I've actually, so I arrived um, from Abu Dhabi in Narita, but I flew out from Haneda mm. on American Airlines, 777-200 to LAX. Yeah. And cool. then a I think it was an A321 back to Charlotte. Mm. So yeah. Not, not too bad. You know, it's one of those he, you cross the date line going that direction so yes. i left tokyo at 4 p.m and arrived at lax at 10 a.m on the same day so and then i arrived back in charlotte at 6 p.m which was only two hours after i left tokyo
3: so yeah Fantastic. Well, um, in terms of the um, uh, the quality of service and everything that you received when, when you did the flights, would you say that it was the, the Middle Eastern carriers that w- were really the outstanding?
4: Yeah, they, they're really the ones that, that shine, and it probably had a lot to do with being in, in first class, too, because, uh, I mean, the whole time I was on that flight, I think there were two flight attendants who were taking care of each right. cabin yeah. or, or seat. Yeah. So it was a lot of, I mean... You could have as much attention as you wanted or as little, and they weren't going to to be overbearing with it. And it was, I mean, just very professional and and courteous and uh, always had a smile on their faces. You know, whether that's genuine or not, I don't know, but it really does make a difference as opposed to, you know, kind of.
3: Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, absolutely absolutely brilliant, isn't it? um, And how did you feel when you got back? Uh, Did you have to go straight back to work, or did you have any uh, recovery? I went back to work.
4: I went back to work on Monday. I was back on Sunday. Went back to work on Monday, and then I left on Friday to go back to Chicago for the other marathon. So, yeah, actually, I did fine. And you know, I think a lot of it was just the way that I planned the trip, and I think doing the business class was made made all the difference because I really did get a chance to sleep. Um, I think if I hadn't been able to sleep on those flights, it would have been a completely different story. And I'm pretty good at sleeping on airplanes in general, but uh, it, it really does make a difference to have a lie flat bed.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, and do you think, uh, one of the things I was going to ask you is, in terms of the, you mentioned it earlier on, in terms of the amount of food and, and drink that you could consume if if you wanted to, do you think, uh, and I know that they, there's obviously a premium to pay for the business class or, or the first class fares, but do you think they offer you too much food, uh, really, on, on some of I aspects?
4: thought Turkish Airlines may have offered too much food. I mean, I really, by the time I got to Istanbul, I was like, I can't eat anything else. This is a little ridiculous. Yeah. It was all very good. Um, you know, I felt, if any... I, Certainly, you don't feel pressure to continue eating or um, that you have to order something, but you kind of, you know, when it's a trip for fun, a trip for leisure, you want to sample what they have to offer and it all looks good, you know, (laughs) Uh, like, yeah, I'll have the tomato soup and the salmon and the butternut squash soup and the duck and the, (laughs) you know, whatever Um, you have to offer. So um, it, it was a lot of food though. Um, more so on Turkish Airlines than any of the other airlines. I thought Etihad actually had very reasonable portions. Hmm. Um, it almost looks it, it's, and maybe it's just to my American eyes. You look at the, I think it was the duck that I had on on their flight. It looks tiny, like it's this little, you know, like medallion of yeah. of meat, and a little <laughs> bit of veg uh, next to it, and uh, it's like, is that going to be enough? And it, it's it's plenty. It's it's more than enough.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but just that- used
4: to seeing like you know gigantic portions of steak and
3: of course yeah
4: everything and um would you do
3: it again in in terms of of how how you traveled and, and the way that you traveled
4: yeah absolutely i mean you know like i said i do a lot of travel but this was a little bit unusual but for me this is about as fun as it gets you know you get to go all the way around the world you get to see different cultures you get to experience different things you get to even the flying is is fun for me i enjoy the the flights um I mean, that's probably not a huge surprise. I'm a huge AV geek, but, uh, you know, different aircraft, different, um, different carriers, different service, um, just seeing how it all comes together. And, and overall, this was everything was very positive. I didn't have one bad flight out of the bunch here. So, well, it's uh, great.
3: brilliant, Steph. And thanks ever so much for sharing your insight with us today.
4: Oh, my pleasure.
0: this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network.
2: Website www.planetalkinguk.com
4: or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plane talking UK, on Twitter via at plane UK, or get in touch via email on podcast at plane Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Fly the five eight
0: two three, Trent Dane for two three arm Manchester, Whiz Air six X, climb flight level two one zero, direct to Bretman's Park. United 123, maintain 280 knots. London 2 TME, turn right onto Bravo Link. 2 1, join Alpha, hold at Mora. Speedbird 472, LOC slash TME, approach runway 27 left. Follow the green stand 544.
4: That's enough air traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime.
0: Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me. Well now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed base Boeing 737-800 Flight Simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate Flight Simulator experience, or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check Check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com, or call on 020 340 616. NP Simulations, fly your dreams.
2: Mm, up a bit.
1: Up a bit, ah! Well <laughs> done, Nev. As always, a incredibly sterling
3: performance there from you
1: Indeed. and Dr. Steph. Indeed.
3: Well, it was, I was just asking the questions, really. But uh, yeah, Steph, it was great to hear her relive her, her trip there. And as I said in the, in the interview there, she was in some considerable luxury, and it's really nice to hear all about that sort of stuff because most of it can most of us can only dream about. Only that literally, things, only dream uh, of doing that. Things, but uh, yeah, what what brilliant facilities on, on on those Middle Eastern carriers, especially the shower. I
1: know. I know. That?
2: It's it's such a simple thing, you know. We we we, we do, you know. Every, every I'd like to think most of us, you know, shower at least once a day, um, <laughs> you know. But the idea of doing it in the in the air, I don't know. There's something kind of, I don't know. There's something kind of cool about that, really, isn't there? I know. That is good. That is good indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And there is quite a lot of room in then showers as well. To be fair, mm. yeah. A lot of people think now a bit. Bit cosy, but, but they but are. Yeah, they're really okay. really yeah, really good.
2: And thank you, of course, Doctor Steph for uh, for your your time. Yes, let's, let's thank you, Doctor Steph. That Absolutely, uh, really good. I uh, really really enjoyed that. So, listen, guys, just uh, something I just want to discuss uh, with everybody because off, off the back of the two hundredth, we had a uh, like a long chat with a lot of people there, uh, and there was a lot of interest in us is trying to put together a sort of summer meetup. Mm. So, I, I'm sort of going to throw a date out there, really, uh, for people to start putting in their diaries I love do you? No, mm. not the edible kind. I no. meant like one you put in your diary. Okay. Uh, and, and so, I've got so some at uh, home. Right. Um, somebody, somebody help me, please. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, so, so basically, Saturday the 19th of August. Uh, I don't know what, how you're fixed, uh, Senev, um, but we're going to try and uh, arrange a bit of a fly-in. Uh, at uh, one of our local airports so we're not 100% sure which airport it is yet, more details will be forthcoming in regard to that, but Mm. at this stage we just wanted to get uh, the date out there and see if perhaps, uh, because I know it's a little way away yet, but I know how much people get booked up, if you see what I mean, Mm. so we're looking at uh, trying to arrange something on the Saturday uh, a summer meetup on Saturday Mm. the 19th of August, you wait Nev's going to look in his diary and say, I'm sorry I'm going to be in out of Agovia then Uh, The thing
3: I would say is it's Saturday the 18th of August is, is it? Is is the date it a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Is it? Anyway. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Just putting it out there. Is um, but it? Uh, no, uh, that is clear in my diary. Have so I really um, that? Oh. yes. Have I really Looking made for... that terrible, terrible mistake? Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Uh, and you that... see, and this is
2: the moral of this story: is never do anything from memory. Uh... No. <laughs> Sorry. What's your name again? Yeah. Oh. Indeed, Dave. <clears> oh, it is indeed the 18th. Yes. Not the. Not the. Yeah. Right. Good. Uh, anyway so so let, shall I scrap that and start that all over again so, uh, so ladies and gentlemen <laughs> if you wouldn't mind putting in your diary a fascinating date it is the 18th Saturday uh, Saturday the 18th of August sorry about that well spotted Nev obviously mm. we can always rely on, on Nev for um, you know marvellousness uh, yes so uh, if, if there isn't anything in your diary then please fill it in uh, if you can fly in that would be amazing. Uh, otherwise, feel free to join us down here. So, but we're, g- we're going to have a go. I know we are literally at the arse end of, of, of East Anglia. There's no two ways about that. We yeah. Are, uh, you know, Nev knows the trip very familiarly. Sadly, don't, <laughs> don't you, sir? But yeah. uh, maybe maybe we can maybe we can arrange a lift for you to come via um, some kind oh, of yes, uh, my my some,
3: local GA yeah. uh, airfield, of course. That's of nice, course, yeah. it? Wouldn't
2: that be nice? Yeah, so, yes. So uh, so if Good anybody's idea. willing to sort of swing by and pick Nev up, I'm sure he'd be eternally grateful. But uh, mm, yeah. So you. seriously, Saturday the. Eighteenth of August. Stick that in your diary. Um, We'll do a live show, obviously, from whichever airfield it is we end up in, uh, and uh, and sort of take it from there. But Mm, um, yeah, so Saturday the eighteenth of August. Stick that in your diary.
1: So uh, we're going to have one last little. uh Piece of the segment for the show. Anyway, this is uh, what we normally do on the run-up towards the air show season, which was go- is going to start very soon. It and is. Uh, it's just a run-through really of the air shows that are up and coming yeah. uh, in April, uh, which is when everything kind of starts here in the UK. So uh, starting off uh, on the well, Friday the thirtieth of March and to the first of April on a Sunday, it's the Easter Royal Air Force celebration. Uh, weekend at Cotswold Airport. That's uh, Cotswold uh, Airport in Kemble, Gloucestershire. Uh, they're going to have uh, an Easter weekend uh, with uh, loads of aircraft uh, on display, and also with the, celebrating the Royal Air Force's 100th birthday as well there. And uh, following on from that, on the Sunday the first as well, there's going to be one for uh, people who live near Essex, the Stow Maries. I think that's how you say that. The Royal Air Force 100 celebration at the aerodrome at Stow Maries, Purlie, Essex as well. Uh, Nev, what else we got in April?
3: Uh, that's a good question, and uh, unfortunately, my <laughs> my computer is not playing ball at the moment with regard to uh, the okay. So, well, uh, I don't know if you can. Uh, I'll I'll carry take the on, the
1: on my Windows computer. I'll take the rest of these, oh, uh, okay. and on the uh, Sunday, the eighth of April. <laughs> you realise I'm going rem- to play this uh, back to you Next time your, your computer dies Don't you <laughs> On Sunday the 8th of April It's the Auster 80th anniversary fly-in That's uh, at the Museum of Army Flying Middle Wallop in Hampshire I beg your pardon <laughs> I know That's a good club. That's the uh, association with the International Ulster Club, the uh, Museum of Flying Army and the Army Air Corps, and they're going to have uh, their 80th anniversary of Taylor Craft Aeroplanes uh, Limited, the iconic orster Air Observation Post AOP aircraft. Uh, they're going to have a day there with loads of stuff happening. And then on the 29th of April at Old Buckenham uh, Airfield in Norfolk, here, mm-hmm. not far from us, uh, they're going to have the Wings and Wheels show. Good show, actually, uh, isn't it? Uh, and yep. that's uh, Old Buckenham. That's where me and Matt uh, and Owen were Ooh, back in the summertime, town mm-hmm. end of summertime yep. last year. Mm-hmm. For the Old Buckingham Air Show. But they're going to have a Wings and Wheels Day. There's going to be uh, a few aircraft on display or flying in displays and loads of, uh, of old antique cars as well. But we're, we're all there to see the aircraft. We don't care about cars. Indeed. Absolutely. Um, but loads more to come in the uh, well in the rest of 2018. Mm. Loads more air shows to come. Uh, later on in the year, we're obviously going to uh, let everyone know what air shows me, Matt, and Nev will be attending uh, throughout the UK. Indeed. Uh, we're probably going to hopefully, we'll probably all be at Farnborough this year. Mm-hmm. Think is crossed and uh, hopefully, I think we might be making a uh, move over to to Ria, hopefully as well, again this
3: year.
2: Indeed, indeed. Uh, uh, don't worry, Nev. I've got a way of getting him back,
3: by the way, for his uh, his comments. Just a, about... a point of order, though. Ooh, uh, yeah. I thought, just for a change, I would actually run the uh, Windows partition on on the Mac, and it was actually that that failed, <laughs> uh, rather <laughs> than the Mac itself. Obviously. very good, actually to say. <sighs> uh, this is actually. I'm just going to play a little something
2: here. I suddenly remembered when he when he's being cheeky, him over there about his <laughs> about his various machines. There was a. Um, obviously, we had our 200th not that long ago, and I dug this out especially to play out our 100th. And then, because uh, everything was all going horribly wrong, I, I never actually did it. So 100th. Did,
1: you, what, what the... And you've been even exceedingly brave as well. Yeah, definitely. Oh, me
4: out here, but I quite enjoy stuff like this. So
1: it's fine. Yeah. Good, good, good. Can I borrow for the weekend? <laughs> Just, just for aviation purposes, obviously.
0: Oh dear! See, I have an
2: amazing wave. You see, you should be very careful, sir. Mm. <laughs> when you know when you start I'm going to keep that up my sleeve now for every time. <laughs>
3: oh,
1: anyway, moving yeah, so, on. We're yeah. going to close up the show.
2: <laughs> oh, we, oh no, I'm having so much fun. Uh, <laughs> indeed, oh, yeah. Mr. Smith. I know he's going oh, to. I love thee. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to say a big yeah.
1: thanks to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room today. Loads and loads of people who've. Uh, given up their Saturday afternoon to join us uh, in the live chat room today, Matt. Where can everyone find out more about the show?
2: Loads of places to do that. It is www.plaintalkinguk.com is the website. If you want to get in touch with the show uh, using social media, it's facebookcom forward slash UK and of course, it is at plain talking UK. On Twitter, don't forget also, if you please do send in your audio feedback, we'd love to receive it from you. It is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com.
1: And don't forget, as well, on the website, you can click on a link on there at the store and you can purchase yourself a lovely Plain Talking UK T-shirt. Mm. We ship them all around the world. And uh, if you want to grab yourself one of our PTUK T-shirts in a nice sky blue colour, they are 100% cotton T-shirts with lovely embroidered logos. And uh, you can uh, sport one of those in your, uh, in your local uh, airfield. New
2: for 2018, by the way, uh, coming up very shortly, there is going to be a range of uh, mugs that will be available so uh you've probably seen them when we were last in the uh in in the PTUK kitchen studio um and we're going to hopefully get those ready to to sell uh new for 2018 Ooh. is our our marvelous
1: mugs there you go you heard it here first on episode 203 mm-hmm. so uh nev i'm going to say a huge thanks to you for joining us as always uh, this afternoon
3: yeah, pleasure, guys, and uh, great to see you again. And uh, <clears throat> should be back on uh, normal time, I guess, coming up this Friday. I think yeah, I think that's Friday. Plan, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Fr- back to yeah. a Friday
1: show, I think. Yeah.
2: Yes, indeed.
1: Uh, so, thanks to everyone again in the chat room for joining us. And also, not forgetting as well, everyone who downloads the show each week mm. via iTunes and all the other podcast platforms around the globe. Thanks for downloading the show and uh, listening to us. Uh, us crazy folks here Indeed. on the PTUK show. So that is where we bring episode number 203 to a close of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Uh, look for us again next Friday, back on the usual show slot yep. time. Um, so that's it really from here in the barn studio. Me and Matt are going to wish
3: you a goodbye. And Nev. Yeah, see you guys. Take care. Have a nice week.
0: Bye.